What is up, guys? This is episode 107 on the Flimsy Hat Podcast. Today, I have Christy Kiltz joining from Portland, or I'm sorry, Portland, Oregon? Grants Pass. What is it? Grants Pass. Grants Pass, Oregon. All right. So, that's about four hours north of Portland? South. South. Oregon. South of Portland. Okay. So, somewhere I've never been to, so I have no clue where. I just know Oregon, where Oregon is, so... Um, so that's what I know <laughs> so far. Uh, so what is your, uh, what's your story? Kind of like what's your upbringing like and, uh, kind of got you into business. Well, upbringing was, I actually enjoyed a really simple life, you know, one with no TV. And of course I'm old enough that I enjoyed a life without gadgets, um, until I hit my, my adult life. But the big thing that I always enjoyed two big things from my childhood that I think began to uh, mold me for what I do today is number one, I always enjoyed exploring around the next corner. So when we, you know, go hiking or taking a car trip or anything like that, it's always that explore what's new, what's there to see everything else. And then also the fact of, I enjoyed taking things apart as a kid. And my parents were very good at directing that. So it wasn't destructive. I remember my dad giving me a lawnmower engine that he knew would never see the light of day again. And I took it apart until there was not a single nut or bolt or spring or anything left on it. And that really helped my brain develop the the technical, let's think things through aspect, even though I wasn't putting it back together, mm -hmm. you still have to think through a logical way of how am I going to get this thing apart? Yeah. Um, a third aspect I'll throw in, I was homeschooled for four years of my elementary okay. um, education, and that taught me to think on my own. Uh, if you attend school and you listen to the teacher, the teacher says, class, two plus two is four. Christy, what's two plus two? Now, if I've been listening, I'll say four, and I have no idea why it's four. And the positive thing about, and I'm not saying all classrooms just teach kids to mimic, but the thing that I had to do with homeschooling was figure it out on my own. And so that was, I'm going to say, just priceless, especially in the web world where things are changing so fast. If you continue to stop and go back to school and learn something, you're three years behind by the time you get started almost. Mm -hmm. um, so those were kind of the grassroots foundings um, of early, I'll say, early foundations that were laid for when I actually started the business. Now, did you graduate high school and then go to college or did you just kind of go off into like the, the business world right away? Um, I did take a year of college, but it has nothing to do. I was actually aiming to be a physical therapist. Okay. And I didn't start my business until I was in my early thirties. Okay. Uh, so it, you know, there was kind of a mishmash of a little bit of everything mm -hmm. that went in. I never did become a physical therapist. I took a detour on that one, but I was, what landed me in, in business actually was an opportunity that came along not to let's start a business. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have the, the same dreams and goals that a lot of kids do that I have that I admire, uh, man, I want to start my business and they start early and they get all their ducks in a row. I kind of fell into business. Um, I took a one-year certificate our, at our local community college that included some classes around uh, 
web design, those type of things, and then worked as an administrative assistant for a web-based company. And the lady I was working for was an entrepreneur, and she encouraged me to start my own business. So it was kind of that early, you know, nurturing and here, why don't you start your own business that kind of got its, that's where things started and grew slowly. I joined the Chamber of Commerce, took some business plan classes and that type of thing. And this was early 2001 okay. or so that I started my business. So the very early days of the web. And of course, everything was super techie back then. Yeah. So what was your, like, what, what advice did your first mentor give you? I guess that's the one who told you to start your business. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing that I got from her was just her, um, she was not intimidated by trying new things. Mm -hmm. So she had a lot of the same, you know, qualities and values that I had as far as, you know, producing quality work and, and everything like that. And her biggest thing was just being able to tackle something and not be overwhelmed. And when you see a need, be able to turn as quickly as possible and meet that need. And that was kind of the early encouragement uh, that was out there. Her business was actually providing small business information to business owners Okay. at the time. So what does that, like, what does that consist of? Like what type of info specifically? What type? It was kind of anything that you needed to run, start, or expand your business. Okay. Uh, and this was back in the day where you know office.com, business.com were just, and others were just getting their started. Mm -hmm. And it was um, ideacafe.com was the site, and you could just come and get all sorts of. Basically, you know, if you're thinking about starting a business, if you have started a business and now you need um, HR support, but it was written by um, experts in various industries, guest posts. And then we had profiles of people that had started their business okay. as well. So it's almost like a version of like today's like Reddit <clears throat> type of thing, like a blog almost. Um. Yes, I, I'll say to a degree, but way before the days of blogs. I mean, <laughs> the site had over a thousand HTML pages. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's different. Yeah. So I guess you kind of grew up in an interesting time with like you saw like the original like web, you know, 1.0 and web 2.0 mm -hmm. and now you're seeing web 3.0. Like what have the differences like been, I guess, like back with like web 1.0 like where people were like, oh, it's a fad, like kind of what they're saying now with like the metaverse and Web 3.0. Like, have you seen similarities with that throughout? I I think, I mean, the, the things that have stayed the same is, boy, what has to stayed the same? Is people's growing need for information. You know, that's really what has stayed the same. What has not stayed the same is back then people were more patient as far as weeding through, you know, pages and pages of, of information, you know, now if you want people to really follow through your funnel, you've got to take them by the hand and through a call to action and direct wording from your homepage, take them where you want them to go. Mm. But back then you had to rely on the navigation and hope that it took you where it wanted. And nobody really thought of how many clicks does it take to get there? Mm. Um, people were still in the early stages of, Let's write short sentences and short paragraphs and, 
you know, break it up so that people would, would read. So people's patience was a lot long, um, longer patience back there where now it's very, very short. Um, what I think what has another aspect is people tend to jump in mm-hmm. without really thinking of the broad picture. You know, so the early adopters of Web 3.0, they're, they're jump, jumping in, but they're not really thinking through basic principles. Back then it was, oh, I've got to get a website up. And you weren't thinking through basic principles. And that mm-hmm. kind of happened through the, the 2.0 as well. And of course, even if we set, say, okay, 3.0 is still very early in its stages. And we look at kind of the 2.0 and all of the web services out there. Yeah. You know, when I started, you had to have somebody build your own website. You know, it was static unless you're a big corporation. And then you would have somebody create a content management system from scratch for you. Yeah. And now you can go anywhere. Yes, you can have somebody build your website, but you can also go to Squarespace or Wix or Weebly or Shopify and click a few buttons and and have your website. Mm. And so in that sense, people still aren't thinking of what are the fundamental things that we need to have in order to make it successful. And so if something has stayed the same, it's been kind of the same mistakes that have been made across time. Yeah, I think you see like with newer companies or even like small businesses, like they just throw up uh, a website, a couple images and like, hey, that's my website, that's good enough. And people find me on Google and that's just not the case whatsoever. Right. Like you can make a website, but it doesn't mean it's going to be good. If you don't have experience or you're not going to put the time and the effort in, then it's not going to be a good website. You're not going to be found, but it, or you have the money to pay somebody to do it. And then you get good quality work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of got those two options. Either you spend the couple hundred or a couple thousand, depending on what you're looking for, for your website, or you spend long hours taken away from your business to build a website. But what's the ROI you're going to get out of it? That's up to the individual, right? Right, right. So what problems do you typically see with like, because you do primarily small businesses like in your general area or do you do anywhere like in in the United States for websites? We can do it. We do anywhere in the US. So we're not, you know, just complete Mm -hmm. local. I'll say the majority of my clients are local. Okay. Simply because I've been a member of the Chamber of Commerce, you know, across the board for years and years and years. But the the challenges that I see people having with their websites, and I I call them challenges that if you don't take care of them, you have really expensive business cards. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you pay a whole lot of, even if you pay somebody, and that somebody doesn't, you know, understand the the fundamentals, mm-hmm. the foundations of what does it take to engage people? You know, and it's the simple rules of you need to know your market. You need to know who you're talking to. And instead of having kind of the highfalutin, I call it corporate speak, welcome to our website. We've been in business for 25 years yeah. that nobody cares about is that ha- let's have a personal conversation. And years and years ago, I mean, when I started that was my fundamental thing that I, I taught people is we need to have a conversation on your website in the same way that you would have on the phone with somebody or in person or when they walk through your store. Mm-hmm. 
you know, through the door of your business, because that's their first interaction with you uh, is, and you don't meet people with corporate speak when you're talking with them on the phone or, or in person, that just doesn't exist. And it's been interesting because as the years have progressed, you know, we've had authors come on the scene, like, you know, Donald Miller and his story brand, you know, concept, and there's other story brands, you know, brand story books out there. You've got um, Simon Sinek, start with why, you know, let's focus on the why and, and not just the what. And so if you take these principles, that's what I was actually talking about back then, way back then. And now uh, I just have a, a definition for what I've been, you know, really helping people do from day one. Because if people do that, if people tell a story, if they have that personal conversation with their customer online, they're building trust and they're engaging that customer. And that customer is more likely to actually contact them and engage with their services. And that's the, I'm going to say that's the biggest problem that I solve for people. How important is social media for these small businesses that you're dealing with? Or is that not something you particularly deal with? It's, it's very important. So search media is, I'm going to say the second layer okay. that, that needs to come because if your website is not engaging people, mm-hmm. you can send people to it all day long and have lots of traffic to it and you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. So my thing is let's get the website mailed first. Then the next step that's important is, yeah, you need to do search. You need to put together a marketing plan and have a presence on social media where your market is hanging out. Because so many people, they get overwhelmed with, you know, there's there's Twitter. I don't want to do Twitter. There's this, there's that, there's Instagram, Facebook, you know, um, LinkedIn and a million others that are out there, TikTok. Mm-hmm. Do I have to do them all? And I say, where is your market? Where does your market primarily hang out? And that's the channel to start with. You know, and it, it might even be, you know, getting involved with if they're hanging out on Facebook and they're in Facebook groups, get involved with those Facebook groups. You know, be helpful, be a, you know, be a part of that community. And that's how you grow. You can do the same thing with LinkedIn and LinkedIn groups. And so, no, search and, you know, social media is a definite point because otherwise you build your website, you've got all the elements in play, Mm -hmm. you still just have a very expensive business card that will engage people when they come, but you got to get people there. There's no, let me launch the website and people will come on their own. That just, that never has happened. Now, what about SEO? Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand the back end of what it takes for your website to actually show up. For instance, if you're like a lawyer in you know, San Antonio, well, there's a thousand lawyers in San Antonio. Who's to say that you are the one that's going to be number one? Like, How important is that SEO and how? what are some things that businesses can do to help them boost their SEO organically? It goes back to your, goes back to your website. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure it's it's not just your website. <clears throat> Google actually tracks, you know, over 200, right around 200 different elements. And some mm-hmm. of those are extremely geeky and then others are more mainstream. 
Um, knowing your keywords and then making sure that you have keywords in the right places is still an important element. Um, it's not maybe as important as it was back in 2005, six, seven in those areas, but it's still important. Make sure that your keywords are in your page title. Make sure that you integrate them into your, you know, subheadings on the page, into the content of your page, but yet understand that Google understands lookalike terms. Okay. Excuse me. In the same way that we understand lookalike terms, the whole AI feature of of Google, kind of going into that automated intelligence, let's figure things out, is becoming much more realistic. And so you don't need to stuff your pages with with keywords, but paying attention to the overall good things that you can do. For local businesses, um, build your local listings. You know, have a Google business listing and hone it in. Have a Facebook page. Even if you're not actively posting on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. make sure that the the about information, the address, everything else on your Facebook page is the same as your Google business. There's generally about 70 different um, directories that are out there and you can go to yext, you know.com and kind of see a list of the directories if you do or Moz Local has another search where you can see how your business is um, listing on all of these other directories. Mm-hmm. Yes, Google is the most important, Facebook is important, but if you develop listings in these other directories as well, they all point, Google looks at them and says, oh, this business is on all of these other directories, they must be legitimate. And having the information exactly the same across the board is an important element of that. And that's why, you know, part of my SEO package is, yeah, we do local listings. Mm -hmm. We manage it through a tool that syndicates out to all of the directories that need so that all of the information is exact. You can do the same thing on your own. You don't have to go to all of the all 70, you know, individually yeah. and set them up. There's tools you pay for them. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay for them no matter what, but you pay for them. You put in your inf- information and they just bust it out to all of the different relevant directories. That is really important. Um, making sure that you add content to your website on a regular basis. I'm not saying, you know, blogging weekly, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that, but make sure that you're doing relevant content on a regular basis. Google likes to see fresh content. Where would you say is the best social media platform to grow a small business right now? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say one of two with a third one in the wings. Okay. Okay. And that is, again, dependent on where your market is. Okay. So you've got LinkedIn, and that is more business focused. And if you want to reach your, you know, business owners and, you know, C-level execs or, you know, specific, LinkedIn kind of shines in that area. Mm. Facebook, unless you're doing paid ads, you can't do that as easily. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook is good 
for building, although if you're starting at ground zero, you can be posting all that you want, but nobody's going to see it, mm-hmm. you know, because of the algorithms that that Facebook has. So you almost have to do some kind of paid version of Facebook. And depending on your business, if you have a business that uh, has a lot of good visual, then Instagram is good. And that's why I said a third one in the wings of Instagram. But I see those three, at least for the average, depending on what your business or your industry is, you know, you could move all of those aside and say TikTok, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I think it's <clears throat> interesting that you said that because I typically think from the perspective of like now, TikTok's the best organic growth for any business in any category just because, you know, it started off as a platform for dancing when it was music league and now it's turned into this massive over the last, really COVID I think really helped it tremendously blow up. But people are like now showing like the back end of their small businesses, like ice cream shops or lawyers sharing their stories Mm -hmm. and they're getting like Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of followers and views. And now they're taking that and you see their Instagram page where now they're having like 150,000 followers that they would have never had. This small, you know, ice cream shop from New Jersey or a small pizza shop from Florida has 150,000 followers. Mm -hmm. That town doesn't Mm -hmm. even have 150,000 residents. Right. You know, and like I always thought, at least right now, I think that that's the best option. So have you ran into that, like where people have said that to you or? It's not something that you really looked into as much as a. I, as a I haven't really run. I haven't really run into it, and that's where I kind of, you know, prefaced it by, where is your, you know, where's your market? Mm-hmm. If your market is in, you know, is really engaging on Instagram, and you're comfortable, you know, running video, go for it. Um, I I hate saying, here's the golden bullet. You know, yeah. here's the silver bullet, because you get different niche industries where they find one, you know, even odd one that's out there mm-hmm. and they're able to take it and run. But no, TikTok is, is I'm going to say the, the up and coming, if not it's here, you need to be involved on it. And how often do you recommend like your clients post, whether it's on their website or their Facebook page or anything, really any platform that they use, do you recommend them typically? <laughs> You know, kind of the industry standard that's out there is if you do less than three times a week, you're not really for for social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... So if you do less than three times a week for social media in general, especially if you're trying to build. Now, if you're maintaining, you could probably get away with maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to build your social media, a minimum, minimum of three. Three times a week. Yeah. You know, for your website, you know, you, if you can, if it's maintainable, I mean, if you can really maintain doing, you know, punching out a new post or something once a week, go for it, you know, but you don't want to start into something aggressive and then, oh man, I can't do this and then end up changing. And that's where I tend to say, start with one or two a month and see how that works. And you can always increase. Okay. I want to kind of shift gears here a little bit and kind of go back to the uh, education portion, just just in general with like entrepreneurship and stuff. Like, how important would you say like going to college is? I know we talked about like you said you didn't really do a whole lot of college, but like, <clears throat> for today's world and like business and entrepreneurship, how important is really college or 
you know, is self-education the better route to go? I'm going to say college is important. If you're going to go into business, what I would recommend that I didn't do because I didn't think, oh, I'm going to start a business. Let's get my head screwed on straight is having some business management, you know, having some of those business theory classes that you get, maybe not getting your whole uh, degree, you know, or something like that. But I think there are a lot of classes provided um, through college education that gives people the foundation. Now, could you do that with self-study? Absolutely. You know, it's, I think it depends on how do you take any information better? You know, are you comfortable along with thinking and planning and starting your business to take a few semesters and take some college classes that mm-hmm. gives you, you know, give you that foundation. There are things that I didn't know that looking back, as I look back 20 years that I wish I would have known back then. And that's, I think why I'm saying take a four year degree. No, I mean, that's going to put you off four years unless what you want to go into requires it. Yeah. But, um, at the very least, however you're going to get the information, get the information that helps you properly run a business. And then as you're running a business, to be able to scale that business when it becomes bigger than what you can manage. When do you, I guess, I guess you kind of answered this question, but when do you know you're at that point where you need to scale or you need help? to scale that business when you can no longer keep up. Okay. You know, and, and, and I, as, as I look back, you know, and, and you having an agency, you kind of have um, similar background. Mm. You have this finite minimum. It takes X amount of time mm-hmm. to pil- put a website together, Yeah, you know, or to write content or to create, you know, visuals or that type of a thing. It's you can't really make that less time than it is. There's that minimum that's there. And then you have all of the different business admin things that need to happen and bringing in new clients and what are you doing for marketing and, you know, everything else. And when there are no longer enough hours in the day for you to keep up with your level of work that you have coming in, providing the customer service level of customer service that you want. And you can't maintain your own healthy lifestyle, you know, business um, lifestyle, work balance, you know, whatever you want to call it. When you can no longer do that, you need to. And when you see yourself approaching that, so don't wait until you hit that wall Mm -hmm. and you're burnt out. Because once you burn yourself out, you never get that wax between the candles back. You know, and it's really, really difficult to, to pull that back. And so if you're thinking forward, you know, so as a new business starting out, if I had these thoughts in my brain getting started, then as I was approaching that max, it would have been, okay, I need to bring on somebody. And then you can identify what part do I want to bring on? Do I want to bring on an admin assistant in my case? so that I can keep building websites? Do I want to bring on somebody that can build the websites for me? And I'll move more into admin because there's that entire planning process and thought process with that. 
What's the worst piece of advice that you were given, whether it's business or just throughout life? Um, throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> why is that? And, and I understand why it's said, you know, and a lot of young people, they've got tons of energy and they can do that. Mm-hmm. But if you're just randomly throwing business ideas against the wall and hoping that the plate of spaghetti will stick, you end up wasting time and energy. And so if those throws are made more strategically, you have a better chance of that plate sticking. So it's like chasing the the hot thing of the current moment. Yeah. Chasing the hot thing, or you've got this business idea and you're always going down rabbit trails. And so instead of you know, we all know that business growth doesn't happen in a nice line. It looks more like this, you know, all over yep. the place. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about that trajectory. I'm talking about you end up taking all of these um, side trips, mm-hmm. which if they, if they all end up at dead ends, you're out time, perhaps money. And then it's like, oh, let me go back and start on my journey again. To what would be your best piece of advice that you ever received or multiple pieces of advice that you ever received? I think the best kind of goes back to my, my first business mentor. Um, the tagline for her business was a fun approach to serious business. And just working in with that, it kind of became a part of me because when it comes down to doing business, there are parts of doing business that absolutely suck. You know, we all hate doing them, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have those clients that come across, you know, our, our businesses of, they're not the ideal client. You know, they're challenging to work with whatever. And being able to keep a fun approach to serious business helps make those challenging or sucky times a little bit better. They're still challenging. They're still sucky, mm-hmm. but it's not absolutely horrible. All right. So two more questions. What is your favorite book or books that you would recommend for anybody getting the business to read? Uh, first book, hands down, and this might even replace the college degree or the college classes I was saying, is The E-Myth Revisited. Because what they bring out in that book, what he brings out in that book is that entire journey of the entrepreneur, you know, and and even when it's just you, if it's a single owner business, you're still carrying three different hats. And to be able to identify those hats and keep them in balance and how do you build a business? You know, when I first read that book, it was like, oh, I wish I would have read this years and years and years ago. Um, The second book, um, I'm going to have to say, start with Why with Simon Sinek. I love that book. It is, you know, I saw his TED Talk first. I got the book as an audio book. It is, you know, good enough. The really good books, they land on my bookshelf. And so I've got his book on my bookshelf. the books by Tom Peters and the, the ones that I've got 
um, on my bookshelf. They're now out of print and he's kind of repurposed the content into others. But he kind of followed along the same idea and concept that um, Simon Sinek stopped you know, talks about, or, mm-hmm. you know, Donald Miller and his story brand book, and the fact of what is going to set you apart as you stepped into the business world. You know, if you're thinking of the industry you want to get into, just Google it, and you'll see that there's about five other billion people doing what you want to do. So what's going to make you stand out? Correct. And it talks about the experience, you know, the, the synopsis of his books is what experience are you bringing people? It's the idea of, you know, that instant coffee that you've got in your own shelf versus going to Starbucks. What made Starbucks a thing? What makes Apple a thing? You know, what makes our our local coffee shops, you know, each in our area, um, and I know out here we've got Dutch Brothers, it's the experience that you have. You're going to pay way more for a cup of coffee than if you make it your own. But it's the experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's the absolute. And so if you can take that and translate that, you know, into business. And so those books were early on um, some of those foundational pieces that now we have other definitions and other books that that come into it. Um, if you're at the point of wanting to build a team, I'm going to recommend um, Culture Code by Daniel. I can't remember his na- uh, last name and Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I've heard of. Dear and Greatly, never read it. Um, I actually didn't know who Brene Brown was until like up to like a year and a half ago, when <laughs> she like popped up on. I thought it was just like some like one of those like non-fictional or fictional like writers, and then I was like, oh, huh. I had that book at one point, um, and then I got rid of it and didn't read it. Uh, but down the road, I probably will read her book. I hear well, a lot and- about her that's like really good, and she has a lot of good TED talks. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's, and 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 again, it was a TED Talk that kind of put her on my radar. And I was like, wow. And I think on the one I listened to is she mentioned her Daring Greatly book. Mm. But what those two books do, Culture Code, Daniel Coyle, that's what it is, Culture Code by Daniel Coyle and uh, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Both of them are focused on teams. And um, Culture Code is what makes a successful team. And Daniel goes through uh, a number of different things. The SEAL teams, you know, the U.S. Navy SEAL teams, uh, basketball team, what makes them really effective? And it comes down to where they really have similar characteristics. And when you take that concept and you pair it with just the concepts that Brene brings out in her book, it her book is more focused on how do you create this culture in the office so that people don't feel like they have to just sit down, shut up and do their job. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you have this, this open, let's talk about things, let's really be productive and let's thrive and grow. And so when you take the two of those and you uh, mush them together, you can help create the culture for your team so that your team thrives. And if you're going to have a team these days, you have to have that. Because otherwise, people are just like, "I'm done." Thousand percent. I think you see, and you see that that team building in a lot of like books are based off the Navy SEALs, right? Because mm-hmm. they spend mm-hmm. literally hours and days together 
So if you're spending all that time together and you don't get along like that creates a bad environment. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my favorite book, and I've read it a couple times. Um, Jocko Willing's book. Um, what the hell is it called? I lost train of thought, but it goes on about like him through Navy SEALs and his, his life and then brings it into a business perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and do you know who Jocko Willing is? Have you heard of him? I haven't. No. Yeah, no, he, uh, he's a Navy SEAL and he goes into that, um, that whole like mentality of like, you know, building a teams and like what, what did the Navy SEALs do to build teams? And it's definitely one of my favorite, uh, reads and uh, his podcast is phenomenal too. I love listening to his podcast. Um, my final question for you is what's the legacy you want to leave on the world? I want to leave the, you know, web design, the web agency industry where there are no black boxes and where the business owner is truly empowered online. Love it. I love it. So how can uh, people find you on, uh, I guess, social media, matchmaker, uh, social media, just if you do a search for design by kilts, we'll show up, uh, or Christy kilts, either one. And, um, our website design by If you want to check out what we have to do, uh, how we, what services we can provide, what problems that we can solve that type of thing. Um, I've kind of narrowed my focus right now. I'm, I'm just focusing in on, uh, LinkedIn primarily, and then also Facebook, uh, Instagram we're on. And um, TikTok is on my radar, but we haven't jumped into that yet. Okay. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in in today's episode. I will see you guys next time. We're out of here.